Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. I am Kyle Mikey, Lions beat writer for MLive. Joined as always by Big Ben Raven sitting to my right here in the, what are we, the Jeremy Reisman recording yeah. studios? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> here in uh, Allen Park. Um, it's Ben, it's it's October 12th. The Lions are, are still in first place in the NFC North, and they are rolling uh, three straight wins all by double digits. Got a big one on tap this week, though, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I think a lot of us with Baker Mayfield and some uncertainty over there, that might have been a, I don't know, a rough season. I think we were all expecting from them with that guy Tom leaving yeah. Tampa. <laughs> uh, but here they are in first place. They're coming off their bye, too, so a little extra rest. They are three and one. And Ben, I don't want to get like cart before the horse kind of thing, but this game could have um, some implications in the NFC down the road. Yeah, it definitely has some vibes of like last year's early season game against the Seahawks. Like it's a three and one team with a defense playing hot, a resurgent of types quarterback clicking with his new wide receivers. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Bucks look like they're going to at least be near the playoff picture and the Lions need to take care of those games. I mean, they already dropped that one of the Seahawks earlier this season. I mean, Winning NFC games at this point after a four and one start is paramount to like what the Lions are trying to do. I wrote about it a little bit this week too, Ben, and I think it deserves more exploration down the road. But it's crazy to me to think about last year and when things started to turn around and they were not shy about their intentions for this year, that they thought they could be division champs, that they could push for the title. And that might seem I don't know, like ostentatious kind of speak from a team that hadn't won the division since 1993. But, um, you know, the the writing was on the wall with Aaron Rodgers leading, leaving the division, the Lions having a young, talented roster. Everyone back this year that cash to spend a bunch of draft picks because of the Stafford trade and whatnot. Um, so I think we saw that window for competition you know, opening in, in the North and the Lions seeming like, a, you know, the team most primed yeah. to run through it. And... Now, here we are just five games into the season, and I think it's fair to set those sights higher than just a division championship. It's it's crazy. It's The season's so young. There's a lot of football to be played. You can never really predict injuries and that kind of thing. The calculus could change yeah. um, with something like that. But, man, they like the Packers are the only team in the, in the North that even have won multiple games, and the Lions wasted them at their field yeah. already. They, and I mean, it looks like the, the, the Lions are the best team in the division. They already hold that tiebreaker up for Green Bay. At this point, Ben, going into a game against another NFC um, division leader, 
I think it's fair to like push those sites higher from division championship to just like, you know, like securing home field, rising up the seedings as much as possible. Um, they have been they have been that dominant and their division looks that winnable. Yeah, two game lead after five games, like you said, beating the Packers. I mean, you watch the Cowboys get smoked by the 49ers on Sunday or Monday night or whatever it was Sunday night. And it's like, man, the Lions look better than the Cowboys have this season. And I think it's very fair. We've kind of put them in that Cowboys territory. I think it's kind of fair to like set those sights on the third seed, to like get yourself a home playoff game or two. I mean, that would just be, I mean, can you imagine two home playoff games? At Ford Field? I mean, um, it's barely. No, exactly. Exactly. But there's I mean, been one in my life, I'm, and I'm not young anymore. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, I just think it's fair to just put them in the top three of the NFC. I mean, the Eagles and the 49ers are the class of the NFC, but it's easy to see the Lions hanging with both of those teams, even in a postseason game, just based on the way they play, the way they play defense, the way they run the ball, the way their freaking quarterback is playing. I mean, it's a. They have a chance to be one of the classes of the NFC this year. And right now they're looking like a top three team in that conference. Let's let's open up the mailbag because we got some questions on this, um, you know, in this vein as well. And then and then we'll roll from there. Raymond Nuznoff, a, a regular um, in our uh, insider texting program. And again, you can find that program anywhere on MLive, uh, Lions Stories. There's promotions there for um, joining for free and getting texts from Ben and I. And participating in the mailbag, but got a lot of good questions this yeah. week, Ben. And a lot of them are in this vein. And and Raymond wants to know what point will the Lions focus on playoff seeding? Uh, with the Eagles and 49ers a game ahead so far, they must know they must keep pace with them. Well, I don't know if they have to necessarily keep pace with mm-hmm. Philly and San Fran. And I think those are the class of the conference so far. But man, like the 49ers look like the best team in football, and the Lions are right there. Yeah. And um, even Dan Campbell himself, I mean, to Raymond's question, at what point would the Lions start focusing on this stuff? They're clearly already thinking about mm-hmm. it because uh, un- pretty unprompted, Dan Campbell just this week was <laughs> talking about how after the game on Sunday um, when, when the Lions wasted uh, Carolina, he's sitting at home watching the 49ers thinking, gee, <laughs> I see a lot of us in them and what a, a matchup. Uh, in January might might look like. And that would be a fascinating matchup. I, I think, like I said, I, I just think a division championship was a noble pursuit for this team that hasn't won a division championship in 30 years, but they've been so dominant and a division so terrible that I think it's already fair to start thinking, you know, more long-term implications of, of seeding and, and securing, you know, maybe multiple home games in the playoffs and, and really making a run, not just getting there, which is the yeah. bar for success that I've ever experienced covering this team since 2013. Every time they got there, it felt like success and you were playing with house money, but this year's different for me, Ben. I, I I think that it's it's about hey, we're actually freaking good. Yeah. And if we can get a home game against say Philly or something, man, we could we could really push this thing. Exactly. I mean, it's reaching the point where it's like almost going to be a disappointment if this team doesn't win a playoff game, whether that's a wild card or divisional game. It's like you can start putting an NFC Championship game appearance at the top of that mantle of like that is within reach. That should be a goal at the end of the tunnel. I mean, obviously the goal at the end of the tunnel is to win it all, and that's what they're going to say when you ask them about it. But like for this team in twenty freaking twenty three, just two years after the Stafford Golf trade, to be looking at realistic NFC Championship game expectations is just it's both out of this world and completely what should be expected right now for the way this team is playing. I mean, there are three teams in the NFC right now that look like they could take it, and the Lions are in that group. Wild. 
Wild. I'm, I'm still not used to it. <laughs> it feels crazy saying when I say sentences like that, it's like, man, this is oh, this feels strange. <laughs> it's, it's still I'm not sure about you, but it still hasn't sunk in for me either. I mean, not not fully like wait, the lion. Like, like Ben, we were standing in the locker room yesterday and we had just talked to Jared Goff. Uh his his scrum broke up. I turn around and they have you know, two TVs mounted in the in the in the locker room. There's some like areas for like people like for players to chill and stuff. And I turn around, I look at the TV, and I'm not going to say the network, but there was a certain sports network on the TV, and they were having a, a, a debate. Who's more likely to win the Super Bowl, the Cowboys or the Lions? Awesome. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm not fully used to this, like, national conversation that's really unfolding around this team. And, you know, Campbell was asked about it this week, too, but it's like, it's not just that they're winning games. It's that they're 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 fun yeah. that, that people want to root for them, and I think there's always something to the underdog. People love a a, a team on the rise, a, whatever. Um, but it goes beyond that. Like we saw seeds of it before with mm-hmm. the aggressiveness, the 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 fake puns, the fourth down. Um, um, I don't know, cojones. I don't. I don't know if we can get away get away with saying balls <laughs> like two two two, two, two two weeks in a row. But um, <laughs> grapefruits, yeah. Um, but like, they, like that's easy to root for. Um, but now they're good and they're, they're, you know, aggressive and they just play a fun brand of football where you've got guys throw, like hiking the ball yeah. between a guy's legs. I mean, a play they pulled out of William and Mary, uh, like awesome. it's, it, it's just wild <laughs> stuff and it's a lot of fun and, uh, it's catching fire obviously. And there's a lot of hype going into the year and now hype has turned into good results. Mm-hmm. And this thing is reaching a crescendo like this early in the season. It's it's crazy. Well, I'm scrolling X, the app formerly known as Twitter, uh, and I'm seeing like the football nerds and the football like junkies. They're sharing run fits from the Lions. They're sh- sharing trick plays from the Lions. Like I, I cannot open that app without seeing a Lions clip from one of the last three weeks. And it's just like they're being embraced. They're doing fun teams. They they have offensive creativity. There are so many Shanahan elements to that run game. It's just fun to watch it kind of just spread like a wildfire. Like to see the guys that would usually be drooling over Kyle Shanahan fits from the previous week. They're doing Ben Johnson and Dan Campbell fits now. I mean, this really is a team that kind of has justly captured the attention. And I mean, it's just what a ride it's freaking been, man. <laughs> and it's picking up steam, Ben. Yes, it is. Um, and I and I like this question from Rod in Birmingham as a nice follow up to to this discussion we're having. Uh, Rod asks, and it's a bit of a beat yeah, one. So just bear with me. <laughs> Rod Rod asks, uh, I've been following this team closely since I was a little kid in 1980. I can still remember Davy Williams returning an, an <laughs> overtime kickoff that was the beginning of the end of the Lions playoff hopes after a four zero start. That's a we, we, we've all been there, yeah. Rod. We've we've all been there. Um, that was the first of so 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 many lines heartbreaks for me. It has been uncanny how many how the players and coaches changed over forty three years, but the product on the field was so uniquely consistent. We've had Super Bowl coaches here. We've had literal rocket science uh, scientists here. Same result. But now I see players playing to their potential across the board. I see other teams fearing the ingenuity and toughness of this team. Such a foreign feeling. His question, what do you guys see in how this coaching staff is different? What are they doing that has broken the cycle of futility? Thanks. Love the insider text program. Happy customer here. Ben, do you want to tee off on that one? Like, like what? Yeah. Like you've been around a while now. Like, what, what feels different about what they're doing? I mean, I think that there is a clear 
connection between the front office, the scouts, and the coaching staff, and it's the right coaches. I mean, it really is the right coaches. You have a genuine former player who is so much more than just a former player leading the ship in Dan Campbell, and I just think he's continued to hire the right people, you know? I mean, even with the staff turnover of last year, I mean, they haven't skipped a beat. You lose a guy like Deuce Steele, he doesn't skip a beat. You lose a respected coach like Todd Wash, he don't skip a beat. I mean, it's just... I don't know. It's tough, but I do see the connection between the front office to the coaching staff to the players. It feels like it's one cohesive unit. It's not split into siphons like the GM is here, the coach is here, the players are here. It's It really is all together, and I think it really starts at the top with you have human beings in place running the show and not just rocket scientists or football robots. I mean, these are real people that know the game better than most, and a lot of them have played it better than most, and I just think I mean, you can hire a lot of former players and all that. We've focused a lot of time on that, but I just think it's the human beings at the end of the day, and it's the quality of human beings and the real genuine people they have running this show now. And the cohesion at the top is just, yeah. I mean, I mean, a 50-50 roster decision between a GM and a head coach doesn't always work out, and I don't think it's ever been questioned once here, and that's impressive. And, I mean, it all starts with Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and the work that Sheila Ford Hamp has done since she took over. It's it's funny because where my mind went is where you just left off. Uh, you know, Sheila Hamp. Uh, yeah, she's got Ford in her name, right? So when mm-hmm. she took over, there was a lot of uh, skepticism, and I think after sixty something years of futility, <laughs> like Rod um, from Birmingham said, I mean, we've all lived it, we've all seen it, yeah. we've seen terrible season after terrible season after terrible season. And then you get a little ray of sunshine, like in my experience on the beat in 2014, mm-hmm. where they were 11 and five, had a top 10 defense. Uh, Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford, I mean, he had some star power, a great defense. Uh, they win 11 games. They lose the division on the final game of yeah. uh, the final day of the regular season. They get, uh, they take a lead in the playoffs uh, only to lose it in some bizarre ways. And the next year they lose what, I mean, they're like one in six or something and started firing folks. Um, on the flight back from London, um, and then they then they suck again for a couple of years, and so that like that's been the experience of Detroit Lions football. And when Sheila Hamp took over, uh, she has got Ford in her name, uh, Sheila Ford Hamp. Uh, I think that there was an appropriate level of skepticism. Um, I was in the room with her and her mother, Martha, when they retained um, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia for another year, which ultimately proved to be a a mistake. Yeah. But I remember walking away from that that conversation with I think it was like five other writers and and um, and the two women who who were running the team at the time and being impressed by Sheila Hamp and again the divi- the decision ended up being wrong but I was impressed by her boldness to to know that that the decision they were making was going to be unpopular uh, with fans that it would there would be blowback um, but she believed it was the right one and that she was going to stick with her convictions and the way she explained herself and she was sticking to her guns and her belief uh, impressed me in the face of something that knew she, she knew she was, it was going to be unpopular. Um, again, wrong decision. You have to make ultimately the right decisions in this game. But as soon as she took over and they did fire Bob and, and Matt and they started something new, it got the ball rolling, the momentum rolling in a, in, a, in a direction where there's been a series of huge home runs since, yeah. and she's clearly stuck to her guns. And I think that's been really like a hallmark of her reign. I mean, Dan Campbell had never been a coordinator. I, I mean, he was relatively unknown outside of like new Orleans and right. people who had like played for him or coached with him or whatever. And it's the same thing with Brad Holmes, like no real experience. Like he had, um, 
you know, great experience in the scouting department with LA and everything and had a good reputation in the league, but he was not on like the hot lists for general manager. She hired, I would say, I think it's fair to say two unconventional people Mm -hmm. to run this franchise. And the word we heard Ben every day, every time we talked to somebody about that process and what they were doing, the word was collaboration. We heard it and, and, and it's a buzzword. You need to put like some meat with that to mean anything at all. Like I, I got kind of nauseous, like hearing that word a lot. But three years later, I see what they meant. Like, like especially compared to previous regimes where, as you mentioned, there were silos around the football operation, around Bob Quinn, around Matt Patricia. They yeah. did their own things. And now you've got Brad Holmes on the personnel side with Dan Campbell on the coaching side, working together, like fitting everything together of it's not just taking the most talented player possible in a draft mm-hmm. or in free agency. It's how does that person actually fit the overall scheme, the overall culture of what we want to build? And we've seen that time and time and time and time again. And we've seen, I think, a lot of successes throughout the draft, top to bottom because of it. Um, And in free agency and not just the big ticket guys, but even guys like Khalif Raymond, for example. Like there's a million guys like Khalif Raymond in the league, but they targeted that guy, gave him like a million dollars and he comes in. And three years later, he's an all pro return man who functions very well on offense as that gadget guy. Um, and so I, I, I did, I could go on forever, but that, yeah, I think that, that to me is like the hallmark of what they're doing, the backbone of what they're doing. And all the decisions since then have been like little dominoes from that, like a Ben Johnson type guy. I mean, he fits exactly this kind of thing. We're talking about the collaboration, like working with Jared Goff, designing a system, a, an offense that, that fits his quarterback. And now you have Jared Goff back from the dead playing better football than he ever did in LA. I mean, it's just yeah. the number of successes is remarkable. And I think it really starts at the top. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I got to give even more props to Sheila and even Rod Wood for this. I mean, bringing Chris Spielman into the picture. I mean, that's you got Chris Spielman. I see Rick Spielman in the <laughs> at the urinal at halftime of games and yeah. stuff like that. You got John Dorsey in there. I think they've brought in like a right mix of football people to kind of help guide them on this path. And I just think it's been one of the most impressive works of an owner in a long time and what she's been able to help turn around here. Right. And ultimately, I, th- I think it's fun to like deli- deliberate this question just a little bit more because I think it drives the heart of everything that we're seeing right mm-hmm. now. But it, it always starts with players. You have to have good players. You can be the nicest, most knowledgeable right. coaches in the league. And if you have a garbage roster, which, hey, they did. They did. And we saw what happened. It's like 14 months ago. <laughs> yeah, for a year and a half. Yeah. A year and a half. They, there was a lot of problems. Uh, even with good people leading this mm-hmm. team and this organization, it just takes time to over, you know, to turn over a roster. And we have now seen that happen. And um, everything else is able to, to work. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of good rosters out there that ultimately don't live up to, to their potential. Absolutely. So it's... There's a lot of like things working together. It's like synergy, right? Like buzzword of the day. But <laughs> I just wanted to give a shout out to Aaron Glenn, to Ben Johnson, yes, like because yes. there's not a head coach. There's not like Vince Lombardi himself could not win in today's NFL by himself. Like you need smart lieutenants that you trust that you can delegate to that can carry out your 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 vision. 
Um, and uh, Aaron Glenn's got that defense playing top 10 ball right now. Uh, now that he's got some, you know, I mean, the roster was barren when he got here and the numbers weren't good. We kept hearing about how good Aaron Glenn was, but it was really hard for us to say, oh yeah, he's that good when the numbers mm-hmm. were so bad. Uh, I mean, the bottom five defense um, and now, now they're not, now they're top 10. They're getting after the quarterback. They're doing a lot of good things. But really, for me, the star of everything that's going on uh, is Ben Johnson, mm-hmm. at least for the next, like, what was it, like 11, 12 games, because he's going to be yeah. wearing a different hat next year, yeah. I, I assume. <laughs> um, he had a big name coming into this year because of what he did with the offense last year, and rightfully so, Ben. But, like, he has taken that offense to an even different level this mm-hmm. year. The way they are able to just like stomp on the opposition like like what we've seen the last couple of weeks i don't know it's like 55 to 10 or i don't know whatever the halftime score has been the last two weeks combined but it's like they're just trouncing folks and they're largely doing with the pass obviously there's a lot of weapons there golf's playing great ball i'm on ross st brown is probably their best player him and panay sewell anyway um but like once you take these leads they're just they're just slitting the throat on the on the ground. Like I don't know how you come back from a two score deficit when they just grind you down with a ten play drive and Montgomery is like piling into the end zone, like dra- dragging three guys behind him, which we've already seen this year. Yeah. Like he's got I think three go ahead touchdowns this year. The Lions are undefeated when they've taken a fourth quarter lead. It's not perfect. They lost against Seattle. There's some turnovers. We we get it, but like um, that combination of being able to go through the air. And do all the fancy stuff they're doing, but also you know with the trick plays and creativity and stuff. But then also just hammer you on the ground. That's a it's a 49ers like concoction, and it it, it I means working for them out in San Francisco, and we see it really working for Detroit, uh, for Detroit here. No, absolutely. I mean, David Montgomery has has missed a game already this season. I wrote about him yesterday. He he's fourth in the league in carries, and he's missed a game. He only has eleven less carries than Christian McCaffrey, and McCaffrey's been there for every game. So it's just like what Ben Johnson has kind of tweaked his offense with a lack of explosion and a vertical threat this year. He's really expanded his run game, and it all starts with Montgomery. I mean, in that department, but just like like you said, Ben Johnson, man. I mean, that's it's got to be the top coaching candidate in the league right now. We talk about cohesion. You used that word before, or maybe I did. I don't know. One in the morning, right? Yeah. <laughs> but like, I love Ben Johnson for any number of reasons. Um, I don't know if you saw the clip. It, I just saw it this morning too. Maybe you haven't seen it already. But after um one of the trick plays against carolina um decker it was the touchdown pass to laporta on the flea flicker and taylor decker goes back to the highlight back to the sideline and he goes up to ben johnson have you seen this no i missed this he, <laughs> decker goes up he's like screaming and stuff he was mic'd up for the game and then he goes to uh up to ben johnson he's just like you and <laughs> sicko <laughs> oh, that's awesome <laughs> but like that to me like yeah. it takes yeah. ben johnson's like from good to great this like the the cohesion he has in his vision for the offense the sequential play calling that we see where one play is setting up another setting up another and you just keep opponents off balance and it keeps churning but like the cherry on top of that sunday for me is the creativity and yeah it's fun to watch frank rag now snap the ball between jared goff's legs but like it, it, it's just the sweetener when you have already a dominant team but then also you, you're like yeah we're gonna have fun and it's like i think i think that there's like a I think there's a domino effect, Ben, where it's like these plays are working, but it also it's fun for the players. It keeps it fresh. It keeps the energy high, the vibes high. I mean, look how much these guys love. Like 
did Decker running to the sideline, going up to his offensive coordinator and calling him a sicko. <laughs> like it just like, I think it breeds a lot of good energy and it, they're a juggernaut. And I just, there's a lot of teams out there that can run, that can pass. The lines can run and pass mm-hmm. and they have this creativity going on too, where they just go for the throat. And I like it in the last two games, Ben, where it's, you've had a, a creative trick play, like the Laporta touchdown on the flea flicker last week, where it comes at a moment where the opponent is on its heels. Carolina had just turned over the football and Ford field is at a frenzy and boom, one play later, like Sam Laporta is in the end zone after the ball's touched like four <laughs> different guys' hands and Carolina, like they're probably still like dissecting what happened on the interception. It's like, Oh, there's another six points. <laughs> it's gut wrenching. It's it, like, they're just stomping on teams and they're doing it in every way possible. And I, I just, for all the reasons everyone's talking about and us too, like I think Ben Johnson, it, it's inevitable that this is his last season here because what he's doing is really remarkable stuff. Yeah, and I mean, the kind of question is what happens when Ben Johnson leaves? I, mm-hmm. I The name that always kind of comes to mind is Tanner Ingstrom. I mean, maybe he's not the hottest name there, but he has followed a very similar path that Ben Johnson did with this coaching staff. I think he was with the Patricia era too, stayed on, tight ends. Then he helps out with the passing game coordinator. So it's like that that's a name to watch because this team, like that cohesion, they've done a great job of building up coaches behind their coordinators. I mean, if Aaron Glenn leaves, Kelvin Shepard, man, that's that's yeah. that's a name to watch right there too. But yeah, Ben Johnson gone. <laughs> I think um, you know, with the with where this uh, and we'll move on here in just a second. <laughs> um if Ben Johnson moves on, which seems inevitable at this point. Uh, I think that the leading candidate to replace him internally would be Scotty Montgomery, mm-hmm. who um, he's been a play caller before at the college level. He's a head coach, actually, at the college level, um, coordinated a lot of stuff in Indianapolis, including the, the, the ground game. And he has an elevated title here of assistant head coach. Um, it could be somebody else. I think internally that would probably be the leading candidate. He talks like a coordinator. Yeah, he does. Um, still a lot to prove, but I think that that would be, that's to me the most obvious name. And I would also say that with where things have gone with the Lions and how trendy and buzzy they are and how good of football they're playing, it's also going to be a very attractive job. Yeah, it is. Um, you have young stars like Sewell to work with up front, a really good offensive line. Obviously, St. Brown, David Montgomery's locked up. You got a rising star in Sam Laporte. I, I mean, there's just um, so many like things to like about that job that they're going to be able to attract A-list candidates from across the league and across football. So it might not even be an internal candidate. And if and when Ben Jensen moves on, I think it would behoove Dan Campbell to explore his options before just looking internally. Uh, Ben, this conversation does lead very nicely into our next question, so I'm going to read it off and get your thoughts. Uh, Michael Berry wants to know, I know I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but I'm concerned about the sustainability of this team, especially for Jared Goff, if Ben Johnson leaves after this year. Right now, I feel as if Jared Goff is our franchise quarterback for the future. However, I'm concerned about what happens to him in the future after Ben Johnson leaves. Does Ben Johnson get to take the playbook with him? What do you think on that? This is kind of like, Falls hand in hand with the Jamal Williams leaving and people being afraid about the heartbeat of the locker room. Dan Campbell's still here. And Dan Campbell's had a major hand in Jared Goff's ascent back to borderline elite, if not elite quarterback play. I would just say that. I mean, Jared Goff started showing his first signs of life when Dan Campbell was calling the plays. 
this is Ben Johnson's offense for sure. But if you think Dan Campbell doesn't have a say in that, or if he's not connected and in those conversations, conversations, especially with his past and what he's handled here in the past. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think Dan Campbell is at the paramount of that. And yeah, Ben Johnson gets to take his playbook with him. I mean, not the Lions playbook, but he gets to take his ideas and designs with him. I mean, obviously that's a fearful thing because golf really hit that next level when Ben Johnson took over, but it's all still here. I mean, that's that's a that's a big loss. You lose that creativity, but Dan's the one pulling the triggers on fourth down. Dan has a pretty special feel of when you say when a guy's on his heels to throw that punch. I mean, shoot, man, that direct snap came on a freaking third and six. <laughs> in, in, the, in the red zone. In the red zone, man, trying to put a team away. So I'll say that. Yes, it would be a big blow to lose Ben Johnson, but as you just said, destination job think about that Lions offensive coordinator when has that ever been a destination job that's going to be one of the top non-head coaching jobs on the market there's going to be players I mean there's going to be players put putting in for that big coach name players for sure but I would just say dial the dial the fear back because Dan Campbell's still here and he's had a lot of touch on that offense too I I mostly agree with you, Ben. Although in terms of dialing the fear, I would I would say Michael, um, his fear is well placed. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's you, you're, I mean, you're totally right. It's like Dan Campbell has a vision. His vision is to control games on the ground, but he knows this is a modern game. It's not. He's not trying to go for three yards in a cloud of dust. He wants to have a vivid passing game. I mean, he, he comes from New Orleans. He comes from Sean Payton. They had freaking uh, Drew Brees down there <laughs> throwing for ten thousand yards every year. So. Like it's not like three yards in a cloud of dust, but he wants to have the physical element to complement the passing game, where you can once you take these leads, you can you can grind grind them down with the run, grind out the clock, and 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 win games. And we're seeing that concoction. And then of course there's the trick plays, the aggressiveness. We've seen that from day one, even when they were trash. Right. And this is a trash roster, and they're going for like what five fourth downs in the red zone in uh, Chicago or whatever it was. I mean. Maybe my imagination is getting no, away from me. But I was in Chicago. <laughs> it, was <laughs> right. yeah. it was brutal. And they lost. They lost that game. Uh, and they lost a lot of games. Um, but that was who Dan Campbell was. And that's who Dan Campbell in this offense was, even before Ben Johnson took mm-hmm. over. So clearly, like, the these macro issues that we're talking about that has made the Lions so good and offensively such a juggernaut – come from Dan Campbell and that's not going to go anywhere. You're going to still see these principles of aggressiveness and passing uh, and killing folks through the air while grinding them down on the ground. You can see physical teams like this is Dan Campbell stuff, but it was Dan Campbell stuff when Anthony Lynn was here and it wasn't working because Anthony Lynn wasn't, he just didn't have a rhythm with Jared Goff. And that was ultimately, I think besides the fact they weren't scoring points whatsoever, the thing that really like prompted the immediate downfall of Anthony Lynn was he was just not connecting with the quarterback. And when that, when his demotion occurred with the offense, uh, Dan Campbell took over the play calling. It was Ben Johnson that was coordinating mm-hmm. the passing game and working directly with golf. And we've seen that relationship unfurl and we've talked about it, it quite a bit. It's obviously working. So to me, Ben, Losing Ben Johnson, this guy who has connected with golf, who has just this great feel for sequential play calling, I think it's really one of the things that makes him elite. Like, really, I, mm-hmm. I feel comfortable using the E word. Like, this guy is an elite sequential play caller, meaning he's not just calling plays in a vacuum. He's calling play A to set up plan B later in the series or in the second quarter or in the second half. Um, and we're seeing it like all the time. I mean, a great example was the Minnesota game at Fordville from last year where they they had Panay Sewell going in motion all day, serving as basically a lead blocker for the running game. And then on a critical third down late yeah. in the game, trying to protect the lead, <laughs> Panay comes around the, on, the, on the edge just like he had all game and boom, 
hits him by going down the field and there's nobody around him for a third down catch. Sicko like stuff. That. Yeah, exactly. Sicko <laughs> stuff. Exactly. Thank you, Taylor. Um, <laughs> and like, just, I don't know, maybe I'm going on too much. I think we all know this stuff about Ben Johnson now at this point, but like, if you lose him, like, like there's a reason he's, he's one oh, yeah. a on the um, uh, coaching circuit right now. And he almost got a job last year after just one season as a coordinator. And he's like, I mean, he's my age. I think he's like born like the same day as me or something like that, to be honest with you, which is crazy. Um, but like 37, 38 years old right in there. Um, uh, and like was already getting sniffs for a job. And now he's doing this again at a greater degree, with different personnel, um, like, He's going to get a job, I think. I think it's inevitability at this point. And when he leaves, Ben, I do think there's concern that the new guy will be able to replace what that guy's doing. Because what that guy's doing, I have never seen before. Not not right. in Detroit. And there's very few guys who have had this kind of instant success. Uh, and doing with a quarterback who's left or dead in L.A., I think it just really is a testament to Ben Johnson. And I think it'd be a loss. My concern would be okay. sure. No, it would be a loss. I would just say, to defend my point a little, is, you know, Dan Campbell knew when it was time to pull the trigger on Anthony Lynn, and he did not hold back. And I would True. just say that shows a feel for your quarterback. That shows a feel for your offense. Like, oh, crap, this is sludged up right now. I got to get that out of here. And I mean, Anthony Lynn is a pretty well-respected veteran name in this league. So that was not an easy move. So I, yeah. I do think... Yes, it would suck to lose Ben Johnson, but Dan Campbell raises that floor. I completely agree with you. Those are good points, Ben. Um, and I think the, the if there's some solace fans should take in the possibility <laughs> of losing uh, the sicko, um, it's that look look around the hires that Dan Campbell has made. Um, so many nice touches to the staff. I mean, Dave Fipp, right? Like yeah. he gets kind of like yeah. he kind of skates under the radar a little bit because he's on special teams, but the synergy that Campbell has with him in terms of concocting these like trick plays mm. and the aggressiveness. And just basically, I mean, when you convert a fake punt, it's like a turnover, you're yeah. stealing a possession. Um, and when you have an offense like the lines, that's huge. Um, and when their defense was terrible, that's also huge. Like keeping the defense off the field. Now the defense is a lot better. I mean, like Aaron Glenn's a big reason for that. Like Dan Campbell took him with him from new Orleans and, Aaron Glenn at that time was like a really in-demand guy and mm-hmm. he had options for being coming a coordinator and he chose Detroit because he wanted to be with Dan Campbell, which again shows the Dan Campbell factor. And to your point, Ben, like I think the biggest mistake that Dan Campbell has made to this point was Anthony Lynn. Yeah. And as a rookie coach from off the radar yeah. who had lost like every game to that point, uh, or was certainly winless. I think there was a tie in there, right? In Pittsburgh. But um, he was not afraid to pull the trigger on a really tenured like well-respected guy in the league, former head coach. And that showed balls to mm. use your word. Nope. <laughs> it's not <laughs> mine. Um, uh, and so I, like, I guess to wrap this up, I agree with you that like, I, I think there's concern when Ben Johnson leaves, it's just hard to replace sure. somebody like that. But Dan Campbell's track record for these things is really good. And even going down to the position coach level, I mean, Antoine Randall has been great, uh, great with the receivers. Mm-hmm. Gray Bly's been a huge hit in the secondary this year. Um, when things weren't working out with with Aubrey Pleasant, like you know, it's like his touch with the coaching staff has been remarkable, and gives me some confidence that while Ben Johnson will certainly be missed, that they'll be able to find a, a capable replacement. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think the Lynn dismissal was or not dismissal, but demotion. That was like 10, 11 weeks into the relationship. So like, he's got a he's got a fingerprint on the heartbeat. Ryan Comic uh, would like to know. Um, PFF ranks Goff as the number one quarterback in the NFL to this point of the season, which is an amazing statistic, uh, in my opinion. And apparently, Ben's 
A contract extension seems inevitable at this point. Do you see this getting done potentially after the Monday nighter or during the buy uh, with the price tag only going on the rise further? The question goes on, but I think we get the point. We're running short on time. So Ben, do you have any thoughts on the contract situation with Jared Goff? Lock him up. You know, I have firmly reached that point. You know, I wouldn't go crazy long term, but get that guy money over three years. I mean, I think he is completely proven that's a franchise quarterback. And to Ryan's point, that price tag is going to continue to go up the more he plays like the way he has continued to play for more than a year now. I, I agree. And and just to put a butt on that, I think that there's no haste in getting it done during the bye week or after yeah, money. No. Like, so I, I would not expect Ryan or anyone out there with curious minds about the, the, the status of, of Jared Goff. I don't, I wouldn't expect a contract extension during the season if for no other reason that they don't have to. And I think mm-hmm. giving Jared Goff, like, not that he needs added incentive or whatever, but let him go out there and prove it. And he is, he's mm-hmm. playing fantastic football. He is, he, he is the number one rated uh, passer uh, in the NFL, according to pro football focus, not top rated passer, not the traditional metric, but like the advanced metrics from PFF. He's number one in the league, which says a lot about what he's been able to do with the plays in front of him. And it factors in like drops and things like that. And we've seen a few of those. JMO. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's not the only one. I don't want to pick on him. It's like, it was yeah, good, Laporta had one and Laporta's been fantastic. Like there were some drops last week, um, but, but golf has been great. And um I say let him be great. Let him go out there, lead this team, which he is. Like I think he's really taken on the identity of this team, which they feel like they were overlooked, forgotten. Like Decker's lived it for forever, and Jared Goff sniffed it when he got here. Like people didn't believe in him; they mm-hmm. thought he was done. Like that he was a, a. I mean, he just wasn't playing good football in LA. He was the most turnover-prone player in the league his last two years, and they brought him back from the dead. And he he has become become cocksure in like his his like rebirth here mm-hmm. and the, to, to see him take on that and to kind of lean into, yeah, I told you so like going on, on <laughs> uh, primetime TV and saying, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a poor man's anything. <laughs> 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 like he's really taken on the identity of this team and just let him, let him lead this team. And after the season, make the business work. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that's ultimately what will happen and it will be pricey. I think probably upward of 40 to 45 million per year. I mean, he's, he's back in that caliber, but, Get it done. I just don't think that there's necessarily a haste in doing it now. No, for sure. And I mean, back from the dead, and when they call his name at Ford Field, it's harder to find a louder explosion of cheers. And that's just crazy to think about where it was in 2021. We're running real short on time, Ben. So I just want to get to one more because we had some questions about the trade deadline, which is coming up at the end of the month. Um, and we had several versions of it. I'll just pick out one of them. Um, Christian Andreessen. He he, he, he he gave us a pronunciation <laughs> guide this week. Uh, Andreessen, um, he wants to know, um, with Emmanuel Mosley's unfortunate knee injury, do you think Brad Holmes will be on the lookout for some reinforcements uh, for the secondary via the trade market? Jared Jacobs has played well the last couple of weeks, but it feels like this may be an area uh, some of the better teams we face might be able to exploit. Your, your real quick thoughts here. Yeah, I'll just say this. Brad Holmes comes from the Les Need tree of general managership, and when they were contending, guess what they did? They traded for good players that made their team better. I don't think it's going to be the biggest splash in the world, but I do absolutely think this team will kick the tires on cornerback defensive back help and staring at you Denver Broncos to see if they start selling <laughs> off those pieces. Possible. Um, and we've seen Holmes active at the deadline before, although it's always he's always been a seller. Maybe that calculus changes now that the team has changed and is contending. I just think that the way they've built this team through pragmatic free agent signings, but especially through the draft and stockpiling picks and 
just loaded up on bullets in the, in the draft and with the way he can draft it. We've seen it from top to bottom and we've seen sixth round picks blow up. And like, I just don't know how much resources they're going to be willing to give up and kind of deviate from the plan that got them this far, even with obviously all the things that are happening and the, and the games of importance that are to come this season. Yeah. I think we might start seeing some second and third rounders start flying. I think he trusts his gut in those late rounds. <laughs> I think they might look to add. Well, it's uncharted territory. So <laughs> it is. They, you know, maybe we'll see something uh, different, certainly something to look, forward, look, look to going forward. Uh, the Lions are in Tampa this week for a big NFC showdown with potential implications for seeding in the playoffs down the road. I'll be down there. Uh, we'll be all over it this weekend. So um, be sure to tune back into the podcast this weekend for another post-game edition of the Dungeon of Doom.